everybody, welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago. As I look to my right, I see the great countenance, the happy countenance of the great one, the podfather, Doug Tonus. How you doing, brother? Happy countenance? Yeah, you seem like you're in a good Jimmy mood. Butler fan? I've been listening. I am in a good mood. I've been listening to your Bulls beat. Mood. It's been great to see you back engaged in the in the podcast community. I don't always agree with what you say, but I do love listening to you. <laughs> I started taking notes about everything I want to talk about during the week, so I just have like a live Google Doc. Wow. So now it's really easy to accumulate my thoughts. I've always been like super lazy. I'm the least prepared person that's ever done. That's true, opposed so to me. Now I have the bare minimal amount of preparation, and it's gone pretty well. As I'm opposed to my it. incredible dedication to preparation, as I'm sitting in a car waiting for my son's practice to end. Uh, but that said, that's I got to tell you, <laughs> really quick question because I've been asking some people this, and maybe the audience could can chime in. So I was at a conference list, uh, recently, and at the end of the conference, uh, Neo was going to perform. If I told you who Neo was, would you would you know who the name is? No, I have no idea. Okay, so I, I was vaguely familiar with the work of Neo. People were going crazy about it. I, I watched basketball. It was a basketball playoff game that co- coincided with it, so I didn't go to the Neo show. But somehow it came to the... The discussion that uh, Frank Ocean, Frank Ocean came up, and, and I again vaguely heard of Frank, not familiar with his work, uh, but I said in in kind of passing, I go, is he is he related to Billy Ocean? And the five people I was with had no idea who Billy Ocean was, and I almost passed out. You know Frank Ocean, but you don't know Billy, and I don't even know Frank. I don't know what kind of work he does. There's no way Frank Ocean is better than Billy Ocean. Do you agree with me? You know Billy, right? Come on, what the hell? I mean, I, I, well, I, how old are you? What do you mean? Well, I'm in my 40s, as you are too, right? We're both in our 40s. My point is here, you know Billy Ocean, right? Of course. How is Billy Ocean yeah, yeah, sure. less than Frank? Right? Well, I mean, who who are you talking to? They don't know Billy Ocean. They have zero idea who he is, how great he was, and how great he still is. I was driving... Uh, maybe a year ago, at by a casino, and, and Billy was performing there. I don't know. Wait, I mean, you know, like, what, Billy Ocean's like 70? No. No. Wait, is it really? I mean, like, it's like, I had to, I had to Google, I had to Google Frank Ocean. Yeah, yeah Frank Frank's Ocean young. I know. So, I'm just saying, if if you're not, like, super old, you're like, what, what did Billy Ocean have, oh, like, one hit song? No, no. Like, he had, like, something? 10. I mean, like. All right, this is the worst podcast ever. We got like 20 <laughs> well, minutes. We're talking been, about Billy it's Ocean. Been bothering what the hell is wrong with you? Seriously, it, what are you opinion. even doing? Why? Why would you? Why would you ask me a musical question? I just wanted to I get know less about music than anyone you, you know. Billy Ocean was didn't, weren't familiar with Frank. All right, let's I've go. Heard of Billy let's Ocean. Go. And everybody who doesn't know <laughs> Billy Ocean, right, after this pod, get on YouTube and put "Get, uh, get Out of My Dreams" and in my car. Just one of my favorite uh, tunes of okay, all time. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that one. I was going to go with. Caribbean That's another Queen great was one. the only one that I knew. Suddenly, but yeah, I've heard how about the one suddenly, you said uh, when the going gets tough? He's, those are four songs right there that are legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. When the going gets tough, I know that one. All right, I know more Billy now, Ocean. Let's get on All the right. Bulls topics. There's a lot to talk about. Big news. Get ready. Hold on your seat. You ready for this? I just heard it. The Bulls have opened up negotiations with Vooch. Um, wow. Uh, stop the presses. Let everybody know. What's your take on this this incredible news that nobody saw coming? 
<laughs> I mean, like, I don't know why you're all sarcastic about it. Like, I mean, so that someone reported it. Like, I mean, like, yeah, okay. I mean, we knew it was going to happen, and now it's happening. Like, it's it's not huge news, but, like, what do you expect in Bulls news when they have no draft pick and it's, you know, May 31st? Like, there's nothing else to talk about. They can't even legally talk to anyone else, so... Um, I just, I just don't know what you're, what you're whining about. I guess big picture, how much you think you can, all right, well, let's take a first step. I think we've all come to agreement. We, we, we kind of need to re-sign him, right? You don't want somebody like that to just walk out the door. He is a good player. Um, we're already over the cap. We don't want to just let him walk for nothing. Are we both in agreement on that? No, I would not in agreement on that. Well, all right, we'll explain why. So what, wait, wait, you're telling me you would like to see Vooch just walk? I would sign and trade him. Sign and trade him, right, which is a much different thing. Try to sign and trade him. But out of the options, right, sign and trade is probably number one for you. Sign is two. Three. No, walk is two. What? Right. Explain this to me now. What what am I missing here? Uh, you said you you said you listened to my podcast. I didn't listen to this part. Now, now you're now you're like full of, full of it. <laughs> oh, no, I mean it's one? it's like look, all you here's here's the plan, the condensed plan. I've also posted out on Twitter. So you know how I ignore all your famous yeah, tweets and yeah. polls? Now you're apparently ignoring my famous <laughs> take, tweets. I'm really super take proud that. of like I, I got go. like one out of like 30 that are like really good. Um, <laughs> That's true. I enjoy them all. <laughs> anyway, my, my plan, my plan in general is don't add any salary that goes beyond one year. Trade DeMar DeRozan for whatever you can get. Sign and trade Vooch for whatever you can get. Trade Caruso for whatever you can get. Uh, don't pick up Dalen Terry's third year option. Maybe you could pick it up. I'm I'm so against him that I think you could just let him go. You could also trade him for whatever you can get, which is probably like a second. Okay. Round. And then next year in 2024, you will enter the offseason with whatever picks you got from trading all those guys. No, they're not going to be great, but like maybe a couple mid round firsts from Demar and Vooch and Caruso. Maybe you get like three mid round firsts or something, and they may not all hit next year, but like at some point. And then you'll have ninety million of cap room, and Zach Levine on the roster, and that's it. And I just feel like with you got three extra first round picks, Zach Levine and ninety million, you could just make some. Well, what about happen. Patrick Whether Williams? Sign some stars. Well, he'll be a free agent. You could you could sign him and bring him back. He'll have a big cap hold, so he would take a lot of your room. But you would have the option of bringing him back if he like busts out and looks like a star or something. But I, I just think that's like you'll have now the option of using your cap room to take on players and get more picks like the Oklahoma city thunder plan, which got them all these great assets. And now they're in kind of like a good position to do a lot of things. Uh, you could trade those picks and bring in a star with your cap room too. You don't have to send back matching salaries. I think with the new collective bargaining agreement, there's going to be a lot of teams looking to dump salary. Like I think you could just take Jordan pool for free next yeah. year. Like the Warriors will just be looking at you. If you wanted to, um, if you wanted to. And there'll be other players like that who are like, you know, pretty good, but not like amazing and maybe borderline overpaid, but not like crazy overpaid. Like you're going to have options like that. Uh, and, I, and I just feel like that's like you're going to have to reset at some point. Like, you know, you can't just keep doing what you're doing now. So why sign up for it for more years? Hmm. Well, what about the culture of winning? You know, like the fact that you got to con- you got to continue this great culture. Doug, that we built so hard to, we put away the Garpax days and the, was this like a there was this a subtle nod to my last <laughs> No, there, there were a couple of things I disagreed with on that. That kind of, well, the, culture is just as good as your best player. That's your culture. That's your team culture. Your team culture is however your best player acts. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily your best player. It could be like 
key starters that really set the tone for a good culture. Like Taj Gibson is an example of a player based on everything I've done in my study and people I've talked to that, you know, he wasn't the best player on the Bulls. He was absolutely a culture guy on the team. Yeah, sure. He was a culture guy. But like if Derek Rose and Joakim Noah were right. like, F it, we're not practicing. It wouldn't no, no, no. Great call. Great call. But yes, but those were the – Derek Rose was a culture setter. But he really wasn't even, to me, like the leader of that team. The leader of the team was more like Noah. Well, now you're talking about something different. I'm just talking about culture of like how hard guys work and whatever, how well they get along. Like all, all that stuff is kind of like built around your best guy. Um, leadership is disagree a little different. Disagree again a little There's bit different there types of also. leadership. A lot of it is just semantics. I guess maybe I'll put it that way. A lot of it is just like how you define culture, how you define leadership. There's like a lot of overlap Yeah. in these different terms, depending on how you view them. Like So anyway, I get what you're saying. All I'm saying is like culture generally, when you turn over 50% of your staff every year, you can fix your culture in a single year yes. really easily. The best show I've heard recently on this was on Bill Simmons' podcast. He had Mike Lombardi on talking about the issue with the Philadelphia 76ers and the whole process, which I completely agree with, which was basically their goal was for three or four years to just get as bad as possible, collect as many assets as possible, and have these guys just you know continue to suck and, and the issue with that was they never set, they never created a culture where what does it take to win? What does it take to be a professional? Vets who are like that don't want to play with a bunch of babies. And so, like, it was kind of like a self fulfilling prophecy, and that their best player uh, and MB really never learned a lot of the things you need to learn. Uh, about how to be professional at that time. In fact, some of that stuff was enabled. I encourage everyone to go back and to listen to it. And I'm not saying Embiid's you know, not a leader or not a great leader. I, I don't think there's an argument he's not a great leader. But I think, it, in general, the point was he suffered due to what happened in the process. He didn't learn things that you need to know uh, to really succeed. And I, I thought it was a very interesting conversation. Hey, I, I encourage everybody to listen to this. My issue with your last one of your podcasts was, I think it was on this this point where you're making, hey, let's just kind of bottom out, essentially. Play Patrick Williams as much as possible. Play Daniel and Terry in this next year. That was part of this plan, right? Is that correct? Figure out what you got. Sure. My counter to that is, you know, all these years of coaching and all the years of playing really have changed my mind on that. In that, what do you have? And there's a general idea among the fan bases. You got to give this guy a chance to see what you have. You got to get Patrick Williams more minutes. You got to get, you got to get, um, you got to get DeMar DeRozan out here so Patrick Williams can have a chance to flourish and you can see what you got. Or you got to get this guy moves so Dale and Terry could have a chance. And my counter to that is it's absolute BS. You see what a guy has. Oh, I'd say 95% of the players I coached, what you saw in practice mirrored what they did in the games. Maybe not 95, 90%. There was 8% that, for whatever reason, they didn't perform as well in the games, but played well in practice. These were practice players that, if it was nervousness, whatever the reason was, they did not perform as well in games. That accounts for 98% of these situations. And then there was a 2% where these players were terrible practice players, but they were excellent in games. You can count, I can count on one hand of the situations where I saw that. So my, my point is, I watched Dale and Terry warm up several times this past season. I saw him shoot an air ball in pregame from the corner three. 
I saw him play grab ass and not really take pregame seriously. And I'm saying that's just a window I had outside of his game, his, his, his actual games. I saw him play at Windy City. I saw enough of Dale and Terry to know a few things. Number one, he's a very energetic player. He's a good defensive player, and he's a pretty decent passer. But on the, on the, on the counter, on the negative side, guy can't shoot, and he's a guard, and he's 20. And I don't care how many videos I see of him practicing now on his game. Where was that before the season? You can't be a guard and shoot that poorly and feel good about the future of that player. So I don't feel anything about Dale and Terry. I don't think he should be part of our rotation next year. Maybe you could throw him in there if you want to go down this plan, Doug. But I don't believe in this. We got to free up spaces for guys that have playing time. Let's see you. I mean, I think the problem is no one taught Dale and Terry that three is greater than two when he was younger. If someone had taught him that, you know, then then it would have been okay. If he only um, had me as a coach. I actually agree almost. I agree with uh, with pretty much what you're saying. I don't I I don't execute this plan because I think it's going to unlock Pat and Dale and Terry. I don't like. I don't think they're going to be great. But it does give you the assurance that they won't be great. And at least with Pat Williams, the way everyone talks about how he practices, he feels like a guy who does better in practice and worse in games. Like everyone keeps talking him up. Like every player who plays with him, like he's got every, you know, it just like does not seem to match when you hear what Damar and Zach and all these other guys say about him and what you see on the court. Like they all talk about how he has all the talent in the world and all this other stuff all the time. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what that means. But either way, the, the point isn't that. You're going to unlock these guys. I agree. You're probably not going to get anything out of them. The point is just 90 million in cap space, Zach Levine, and like four first round. And a high one at that because you're probably going to suck. And 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 a really and one of them is going yes. to be really high. All right. And then and then you now have a chance to pivot. You know, I think there's probably not going to be great guys you can sign. Like I looked at if Jalen Brown doesn't sign an extension, he would probably be the number one UFA next year. Uh, Demonte Sabonis would be the number two. If you could get both those guys plus Zach Levine and then fill in your roster with, you know, like other solid players, like that would be a real team that's a lot better than our current team and is like young enough to stay together for three, four years and do something. Uh, I don't think it's a championship caliber team, but it's like a team that I'd be like, yeah, I could see that team going to the second round. And, and so, you know, it's like and, and a good chance you're not going to be able to get both those guys, too. Right. So, but then maybe you can trade for a star because you can take in all this cap. Maybe you can take, you know, a guy like Jordan Poole and just bring him into your, your team for free because they're trying to get rid of his, his cap hold or, or Andrew Wiggins, like same thing. Maybe you just take him for free because they just need to free up cap space and get good players. You could probably even get like future first round picks with Jordan Poole because you'd be saving the Warriors like, like $150 million a year or something insane. So, I just feel like those are the opportunities you would then have to like rebuild your team. Like you're like, we're not going anywhere now. We just missed the playoffs with the same group and it's going to be worse next year. We just missed the playoffs with a group that's going to be worse next year. If we run it back, you can't run it back. You have to accept the reality that you completely screwed up. You can't be with this sunk cost thought of like, Oh, if we let Vooch go now, it's going to make this trade look really bad. (laughs) <laughs> you don't need Vooch to leave for the trade to look really bad. I mean, I hate to break it to you. You you can't look at this like past mentality of these other things happen. So now we just need to keep like bumble fucking down the road like an idiot. Like you've, you've got to pivot. And if you wait and pivot next year, it's going to be worse and it's going to be more expensive 
and you're going to delay what's happening. For, for what? For like a 38-win year? I just don't care about a 38-win season next year. The disconnect for me is I still don't understand why you would think the better option would be just to have Vooch walk. You're still over the cap. You're still So you're just letting an asset that you could potentially move into or change or deliver into something better just walk out the door. If you have to sign him for the most money of any team in the league, no one wants to sign and trade him. No one is making a better offer than him because if they did, he'd go there. Well, not necessarily. Then how good of a tradable asset do you think he's going to be? Well, that's that's the question. Like, do you think a team would? Well, I think a lot of that de- depends on how much you sign him for. Like what, right now, so our, our mutual friend Mark Cape from Australia says, "Here's his prediction," which you know means per- very little since he's only accurate about seven percent of the time. But let's, he said three years, 70 million with a partial guarantee on year three. I think that sounds quasi what I would expect. I kind of predicted he, I think Vooch is expecting a raise on his 22 million the last year. I th- think he thinks he outplayed it. I don't think he deserves it, you know, for his position and how bad he was as a rim protector. But what do you think he's going to sign for? What would you have to get? What would you guess today the Bulls are going to pay Vooch in the next three? It's a three year contract. Are you in agreement with that? I think it's probably a three-year contract. And the dollar amount per year. I don't know. Too much. Just too much. It's going to be too much. No matter what it is, it's going to be too much that he's not a trade asset. It's going to be a toxic asset. And you're not going to be able to get him off your books without sending something with him. I I don't agree with that. I think if if he signs for 18, 17 million a year. Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Let's say I have a, I have a watch. And I go to the store and I buy this watch at an auction and everyone at this auction doesn't want it at the price I pay for it. I pay $20,000 for this watch. The next high bidder is like $10,000 for this watch. Now I go to the same 29 people six months later and I say, hey, you want this watch? You got to pay $20,000 for this watch, but then you also got to give me something else on top of that. Well, you didn't want it for $20,000 six months ago. And now the youngest six months of this time when it was new and had extra value is gone and it's older and it's used. You're then going to pay the same price you didn't want to pay six months earlier and throw in another asset for it. That's, that's like what you're trying to sell me on. It's just not going to happen. That's just not how that works. It isn't how it works. Vooch is not going to be a trade asset. If you just bring them back and you have to be the high bidder to do that. I would say if they can get them on a decent enough dollar amount. They can't. They have to pay him the most of any team in the league is willing to pay him. That's the dollar amount. They have to pay him. They have to be the stupidest team in the league with his contract. That's how all free agent contracts work. Free agents go to the team that just thinks they're the best out of every team in the league. That's where they go. That's where Vooch is going to go. So if we're the high bidder on Vooch, he's going to come here. That means we're the high bidder on Vooch. That means we liked him more than every yes, other team. Yes, but the league. high bidder on Vooch could be it could be eighteen million a year, it could be seventeen million a year, and well, yeah, but then no one else wants to pay him seventeen well, million a no, year. No, that true. means that was more than let, anyone let me throw else wanted. Out this scenario. Yes. Let me just finish with my with my possible uh, reason why the best player in the Eastern Conference is is uh, Nikola Jokic, the best or one of the best players in the in the. Eastern Conference is uh, Embiid. Did I say the best player? The best player in the Western Conference is Jokic. The best player in the Eastern Conference is is Embiid. 
if you're a serious contender and you're looking for an answer of someone who can give you some minutes to combat those two players, why is Vucevic a poor answer for either of those two? <laughs> is that a real question? That's a real question. He's a decent big man that you can yeah, talk. He is a stud <laughs> defender. If I just had a defensive center, he's I would be like, you know who body. I need out there is Nikola he's Vucevic. He's a big body with quasi-decent skills that you could throw out there with minutes. This is how you describe a vet minimum center from the 90s. Like, this is what someone said about Bill Wennington. Well, he's a big guy. You could throw his body on one of these other guys. Doesn't matter if he can't defend. He's, he's like seven feet tall and weighs 280 oh, pounds. Man. So he's got that going for him. I, I actually don't think that Vooch is a horrible. <laughs> no one is going to say. No one is going, you know what? If, if we have to go against Jokic, you know what we need back there to help us is Vooch. Well, you, you made the best case I've heard for why they shouldn't. If the answer is not a sign and trade, why they should just let him walk. I still think some team out there will give you assets for Vooch if they are serious about contending and in a playoff run. Well, then they should give us assets now in a sign and trade. Why would they wait six months? Like, if they do it now, they can fill out the rest of. No, if they can do it now, one, it's easier to work out now financially. And then, two, if they do it now, they can fill out the rest of their roster knowing that this is what yeah. they have. Well, all right. Like you can build a much better team if you do it now, and you and you have more flexibility now. Look, I, I'm not gonna. So here, here's one other thing I'm gonna say about Vooch, and I'm not surprised we're we're in talks to extend him, right? Like I mean, the, the front office has talked all along about what they want to do this offseason, and what they want to do. It seems like is run it back. And so if you're gonna try to maximize wins next year, like if your only goal is to maximize wins next year, you should bring Vooch yes. back. I just think that's a bad goal because it's not a good long-term goal. And the amount of wins we're going to get maximizing our wins is pathetic. And I just don't care about it. Like if I thought we could win 50 games next year, I'd be like, yeah, maximize the wins next year. Let's go. Let's go try to get to the second round. Let's hope we get lucky. Let's hope we can Miami our way into the finals, you know, have a magical playoff run. It's possible. But like the most we're going to win next year is going to be like 44 games. Like if everything goes right. Like I just, and then get our butts kicked in the first round. I don't. And I just that. don't care about that. It's not a not a high enough. I know you don't agree about it. You and Mark were sitting there telling me how we were going to get to the second round over and over again. And I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to trade Vucevic for two draft picks. They're going to be lottery picks. And Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be a better deal than him before the Vuce's contract is up. And we're going to look at this trade. It's one of the worst things that's ever happened in the franchise. You fought with me about it for like a year. And you finally converted that, like, yep, Doug knows what he's talking about. Year. Mark fought about with me for like two and a half years. He's still fighting. He's still thinks he's still fighting. Yeah, right. Uh, correct me. So, so either way, e either way, all I'm saying is like, it, this is not a high upside squad. It just isn't. We're we, we're not going to get out of. The, we've won one playoff game in the two and a half years since we started this experiment. We're not going to win a series. We don't have any way to add. What's to the a realistic roster. sign and trade for Vucevic? Realistic. Like there's, like, there's very little. I, I think what you're going to get if you do a, a sign and trade is like a pick in the 20s and, and like a, an expiring. I'm going to throw contract. out a name, and I know half the people listening to this are going to throw up on their right. shirts. DeAndre Ayton. Would you? I thought that one is kind of interesting. Yeah, ahead, okay. Because I think it's very interesting because DeAndre Ayton right now is at a low in terms of his value for a variety of reasons. Everything I've heard about him from people in the know is he's a good kid. Um, obviously, he's struggled in the past few years, and him and Chris Paul haven't seen eye to eye, and for that reason, I like him even more. But, you know, like, I, I do feel like 
he's, he's on a horrible contract. He's basically a max player who's definitely not a max player. But he's a much better rim protector than Vucevic. I don't even know. Well, that's no, true, he's, he's, he's definitely better. <laughs> he has the body to be a much better rim protector. Than <laughs> he's better as a rim protector. He, he there's no reason he shouldn't be a much better rim protector than Vucevic. I'm actually. I mean, I'm serious with you. I'm actually not sure that DeAndre Ayton is a better defender. Oh than Vucevic. come on, come on. <laughs> Guy is so bad. He's so bad so, defensively. So, he's I, so I, lost. That's like, like Andre Drummond should be a good defender, but he's not. Like DeAndre Ayton is like the same. It's cut from the so same. Let cloth. me get this straight. So I guess so based on some of your comments here, you're a no go on Vucevic for DeAndre. It kind of depends on how you feel. Probably not. I probably don't want DeAndre Ayton. I would consider it though. I would definitely consider it. Like I think if you, the the one thing it solves, and I, I've made this kind of like the uh, you know you've ever seen one of those things like pick one of like three things like there's a programmer's axiom it's like you can either have this really cheap i can build it really fast or it can be really good you pick one of the three you know i feel like the bulls have one of those axioms they can either add assets and like gain flexibility uh they can improve the team or they can uh you know keep all their contracts under control and so deandre ayton makes you younger and more future oriented right like he's he he'll, his timeline is much better so that's that's good like you have more long-term assets uh he doesn't he isn't cheaper and it's dicey whether he improves the team so he solves one of those legs and then and then maybe if you can squint real hard and convince yourself you can reform him he solves two of those legs but i i, I really have my doubts that deandre ayton is worth the deal he signed you know that said i think it's only three years left on it like it like i don't you could take the people chance. People are just so negative on him. Like, like I would rather take the, the chance than run. People are so negative, on, overly negative on him. It's like, no, I actually saw DeAndre Ayton have some really nice periods of playing in the NBA, where where he was not, he was actually quite good for long stretches of the season for a team that won a ton of games in the past three years, and just to act like. Oh, he's you know he was awful in Game Seven. I've hardly played in that Game uh, Seven against Dallas, which was a nightmare a year ago, and he had a terrible playoff. He didn't play in the deciding game this year. Yeah, he's had some a lot of poor time, a lot of poor performances. I, I, I guess big picture here, I'm saying if I was Phoenix, I would strongly consider t- making a trade for a little bit cheaper Vucevic. I think they would. I think they would consider it. I think you're right, and I, I think we should consider it too. It'll be interesting depending who else wants Aiton around the league. Like, does the whole league view his contract as toxic or not? Has he reached the Ben Simmons status of like, yeah, just no go. Just I don't pass. even think he's anywhere near Ben Simmons status. And I think if people feel that way. Who you still love, by the way. Who you still love, by the way. Listen, ben Simmons, I've boy. Seen a lot of, You've been trying to talk I've me into a, Ben Simmons I've for two years. I've seen a lot of bizarre things as an NBA fan. The complete degradation of Ben Simmons as a basketball player is up there, only to be topped by Caleb Martin turning into Steph Curry in this in this past series. Those two things are two of the most amazing things I've ever seen in, in, in NBA history, but uh, I digress. So I guess I'm going to post that as a, as a Twitter question. Like, what would you predict the fan right. base would say Famous on terms of – Fred what, what, what would you predict the fan – let's predict what the fan base I'm gonna, is going to say. 
<laughs> I have no idea where to go. I'm going to say it's about 50 yeah, 50. I think it's going to be 80 20 in favor of keeping Booch over and telling eight and a pound sand. But I think that's just, I think that's a mistake. All right. Um, we got a little bit more time left. How much time we got here? I mean, this has been a good show, dude. You're, you're really prepared. Your preparation is a lot better here, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, well, I didn't prepare for this show at all, so I don't, <laughs> this is just some luck you um, walked into. You asked me questions I prepared for uh, previously. Let's so, talk a little but, bit about Let's talk about this past series with the Heat and Jimmy Butler. Your thoughts on sure. it? Well, you know, to me, first of all, it is complete travesty that Caleb Martin didn't win the MVP. A complete freaking travesty. I, if you were an alien and you just saw these two players play for seven games, and don't get me wrong, Jimmy Butler had some great moments in the series. Him hitting the three free throws at the end of game six, I always st- stated, uh, I saw Ben Gordon do it in 2009. It's one of the most difficult things you can do in a, in a game to make it either continue or to win the game. Incredible. Great job. He also sucked in that game for the vast majority of it, going 5 of 21. And he had 28 points and 28 shots in game seven. So, like, incredibly inefficient. He did not play as well as Caleb Martin. And the decision, I think, was a 5 4 decision in the writers. And hearing Bontep's reason for why he picked Butler was so nauseating and so dumb. He brought up, like, three plays that Butler made great plays on. And that's why it was he, he chose him over MVP over Caleb Martin. It's, it's, it's insane to me. It's just insane to me. That said, the Heat did something absolutely incredible. Caleb Martin and Butler did something incredible. What say you on what happened in that series and the Miami Heat's incredible run to the finals? I mean, it was great. You know, one of the things is, like, people have said the Heat are fluky, and I kind of feel that way a little bit too. But they beat the number one seed. They beat the number two seed. Like, that's pretty real. That's legit, right? Yeah, sure. You knocked off both the top seeds in your conference. Like, you... You earned it. You took it. Yeah, Giannis so missed a few I, games. I'm excited yeah. for them. You know, Giannis missed one game. That was it? I thought he missed two. I th- I th- I'm sorry. He missed two, and they won one of them. <laughs> Their one win was one oh, of the really? games he missed. I got to look at that again. So, I mean, like, they're 1-1 one and one in the Giannis missed games, and they're, o- like, 0-3 oh in the games yeah. he played in. And, and maybe he was still a little hobbled, and, but, but whatever. Like, oh, well. Miami Heat just <laughs> won without Tyler Hero. You know, he's like maybe not a star, but he's certainly a great rotation player, right? Like you, you know. Yeah, but that opened up a spot for ignoring that Caleb Martin. Like this is one point I heard, and people said indirectly it might have helped. I think Zach Lowe made this point, and I actually hundred percent agree with him. Like Caleb Martin would not have received the playing time he did, and I don't think Tyler Hero could have played better than Caleb Martin did. No one, no one could have played better than (laughs) Caleb Martin against the against the Celtics. He had a true shooting percentage of 74%. This is, like, insane. This is absolutely Curry insane. Is, I mean, it's insane. So, like, no one, yes, yeah, so Steph Curry could not play as wishes he was Caleb Martin. Steph Curry is going to go get his autograph. He shot, I think it was almost 50% from three. Uh, yeah, I looked at 49% yeah. from three over the series. Uh, just, just absolutely uh, nuts. 60% from two. You know, I, I still probably would have gone with Butler as MVP. Um I agree. It was like a to me. It was like a toss up. I guess I shouldn't say you agree with that. I agree with a lot of people who feel it was very close. Um, yeah, like Butler is the superior defender. Butler is the engine that made everything happen. You know, Caleb Martin was not like just taking guys off the dribble and putting up tons of shots. He was getting a lot of open shots. A lot of those shots came because of Jimmy Butler. Um, so I still think it. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of like Andre Andre Iguodala getting Finals MVP over Steph Curry because. 
whatever. Steph Curry didn't have a great shooting finals, but like it, it's like he's still the most important player by like a million because the entire defense and gravity and everything was focused on Steph Curry. And, and yeah, they didn't have great stats, but it's like without him, none of the other things happen, like none of them. And so this wasn't quite that egregious to me because Jimmy Butler still scored more points, had more rebounds, had more assists, had more blocks, had, you know, so more steals, like I just, uh, so in that sense, like I, yeah, oh, sorry. He didn't have more blocks. I don't I, think he had more points. Blocks, did he? Maybe I'm he, wrong. Maybe they have more points. Yeah, he did. He averaged 24.7 for the series. I have the, I pulled it up when you start talking about it versus 19.3 for Caleb Martin. So averaged five more points, averaged 1.2 more rebounds, averaged 4.4 more assists, averaged uh, two, two uh, 1.7 more steals. You know, like I just, yeah, whatever. I, and, and I think play better defense. Like I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, cause Caleb Martin was like so insane. It's just like the insanity Caleb Martin had was due to Jimmy Butler's presence. Like, uh, but yeah, it I, I don't think it's it, fair it to say uh, it was due to his presence because I thought he. I, there were so many times in, in in that series where I'm like, I cannot believe this. Like, he was knocking down shots ahead absolutely. He was playing well when Jimmy Butler was on the bench. In the rare times he was, he was doing yeah. things that had nothing to do with Jimmy Butler. A lot of times. But yeah, I agree. Sure, like I agree with yeah, your, your general point, which is Jimmy Butler was the you know he's the focus of the the Heat offense, right? He's the guy who handles the possession. Which brings me to the next point, which I wanted to get into: the four final teams. Who was the point guard on those teams? The four final teams. Let's look at the Lakers point guard. We got Gabe Vincent, Marcus Smart, uh, a. Um, uh, uh, Jamal Murray and uh, who the Lakers even play? Oh, and uh, <laughs> it's not the Lakers. <laughs> I see the Nuggets even play. Then I realize it's the Lakers. And who was it? Uh, Austin Reeves was he starting by the end of it? Was it still D'Angelo Russell, Russell. or uh, it was Dennis Russell Schroeder? With technically their point guard. My point is, okay. none of those teams. The real point guard, the real guy who ran the offense, was another position. And there's this general attitude: the Bulls need a point guard. The Bulls got to get a point guard to run everything. My counter to that is the real reason the Bulls have suffered without Ball is because he was such a good perimeter defender and such a good three-point shooter, and he really helped you know improve the Bulls in those two areas where they were sorely lacking. And he wasn't a traditional, even Ball was not a traditional, hey, you go here, you go there, like a Chris Paul type of traditional point guard. And there's, oh, that's all I hear is need- like, we need a point guard, we need a point guard. Wow. We, we need someone to replace the things Lonzo Ball did, and that position needs to be at the point guard position. Or, or maybe, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter what you call him anymore, but we need a versatile defender who can shoot open shots and get a ton of threes off and help push Unselfish. that transition game. Yes. And maybe the pushing of the transition game is the part that maybe, you know, would be more likely to be at a point guard. But those are the things, and, and maybe you, you're not going to find all those things that Lonzo did. But if, if you could, like, those would be the things you would need, right? Like, those are the big things we're lacking. He was an incredibly versatile defender. He gave us a ton of uh, extra possession, like, points, I think, in transition by pushing the pace. And was just a tremendous transition passer. Excellent passer in a transition, yes. You know, and then, and, and then just court. got up, like, seven shots, seven yes. threes a game or so. Three-point shooter in volume. Right in of you, but around seven Three-point threes Three-point shooter in volume at a high percentage. And... and, and, and and high percentage. Like, th- those are the things, Those all of those things we are sorely lacking yes. now. And Lonzo is a very unique player to solve all of them. And I, 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 like, you're just not going to find someone else that solves all of those things, right? Like, like, I can't think of another name in the NBA that's going to solve all those things for us. Amen. My general point here, and I know some people 
got all upset about it. Like, oh, what are you talking? You know, they're just screaming and yelling because I, I just don't feel like we need a traditional point guard because at the end of games, DeMar DeRozan's still on the team and Zach Levine's still on the team. Guess what? The ball's going to be in their hands. And they're going to make the decision. I don't think I've heard anyone say. Oh my god! I just said that, really. and there were several comments uh, from our the, from BC. Oh, several. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Oh, Maybe sounds, you're right. Maybe hopefully like people realize what I'm. My general point. I, mean, I think I think people say we need a point guard because we need another guy that solves all those things, and point guard is the position that person would probably play, given the other guys we have on the roster. But I mean, like it's like if you had. You know, when you think about Lonzo, it's like we call him a point guard, but it's like he's the size of Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. It's not like he's like smaller or whatever. Like, I, I guess I just I don't think anyone should get too hung up on the names of the positions. Yes. Anymore. Yes. Like teams, teams are basically like you're a guard, you're a wing, or you're a big man. Is kind of like how it is. And a lot of teams now play with like two guards and three wings. They don't even have any big men out there. Or three guards and two wings, or sometimes a big man and four guards. Like I mean, like I just don't think you need to worry about trying to to match up all of those things, especially in the regular season. It's just how I put it. I don't think the position name matters anymore. We need we need someone who can shoot threes in volume, someone who can push the pace in transition, and someone who can defend. And and if if we could even get two of those three things, I'd be. Pretty happy right, last topic before we close up shop and bring the bus in for into the garage. There's a lot of discussion about the the new collective bargaining bargaining agreement. You had an excellent podcast on it. That I listened to. I've listened to about ten shows on it. I've kind of come along to the point where I kind of believe that it is going to have a major impact on what happens going forward and how people view how they want to create teams. Like you know, with three max guys, two max guys, one max guy, and you know, the Dallas Maverick model around Dirk. I kind of feel like it's going to be two max guys and then a lot of role players around those two. What, what do you think the ramifications are going to be for the for the collective bargaining agreement? I think the only real ramification is that all teams are going to have closer salaries together. Uh, closer total salaries. Teams, the second apron is going it's to be a hard cap. Really it, it's cap. absolutely a hard cap. Why would you possibly go over it? What is the advantage you'd have? Well, say you were, say you were the Warriors and you're just winning titles. That's you'll go over it because you have three guys that are making max money and four guys making max money. Yeah, if you if you are winning titles, you'll just go over it. Are you going to win titles with four you know, guys? And you'll be like, whatever. I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose all of my draft picks in four, five, six, and seven years from now. <laughs> They're all going to be number thirty. But if I'm winning titles now, then you just be like, whatever. I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to I'm going to win a title and I'm going to you know have a really lousy future five I, years I think from the now. Point is. There's only like four or five franchises that even if they were winning titles, that would pay the financial ramifications for that. Yeah, I agree. I, I The very first thing I said is you asked what the ramifications are, and I said it's going to be near a hard cap. It's not quite a hard cap, but it's going to be near it. You know, and teams might go into it for a year, and a couple teams, if they have just the right scenario happen, may go into it for a so long So that's $179 million. But that'd be hundred seventy nine million. Essentially, is the heart is the second apron, which is will be the essential hard cap for most teams. Yep. Therefore, if you sign two max guys, if you have two max guys, it's going to bring you what one hundred twenty million. Hundred uh, for most part going forward. It yeah. depends on if they're on super max contracts. 
which can only happen if you drafted both those guys. I mean, you're referring to the Boston situation with Tatum and Brown, but that won't be the situation for most teams where there are two max guys or 35% guys. Like Zach Levine's contract is like averaging like 40 million. Okay. 40 and another max guy. So if there's two guys at 40 million a year, that'd be obviously more manageable. You could have a third guy and make 120 and you could still have 55 million or so. Under that second, second apron to fill out your roster. Listen to yourself. You have fifty-five million to to fill out the remainder of your roster. Draft picks after you have three superstars. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think you can fill out the rest of it with fifty-five million. With three superstars, fifty-five million. They're all minimum. And I guys. guess you wouldn't have three superstars because they'd all be like, they'd all be like the top thirty type stars, not the top ten type stars. The top ten type stars will be on the the super max. But but anyway, it's going to it's going to press things out. The thing that I think you're going to see a lot more teams with a one star model and good role players too, like Bill Simmons said, like oh I just you're going to, everyone's going to be a max guy and then then the whole middle class is going to be gone. And I think if you're looking at like do I want Jalen Brown for sixty million or do I want three guys for twenty million each, like three healthy Lonzo balls. Like you'd take the three healthy Lonzo balls. Hmm. Like I can have Jalen Brown or I can have Miles Turner and I don't know. Trying to think like another like kind of like mid level <laughs> mid level ish player. But like that that's kind of that's kind of the that's kind of the point though. It's like, you know, like uh, maybe like Lowry Markinen. I can only think of like big guys like that. Or DeMonte Sabonis. I'm like, I can't think of any guards that are sort of in the middle. I want to say DeJounte Murray, but he got paid the max. But I feel like I feel like there's just going to be more room for guys to make 20 million. Like if I'm if I'm building a team and now all the money is the same and there's this other kind of like hard cap there, I start thinking like, yeah, I'd ri- maybe rather have more depth than having two stars and no depth. And, you know, especially if my guys were at the 35% max level. I think teams are going to have to get really serious about whether they want to offer someone that 35% contract. Like that Jalen Brown deal, like you can't offer a dude like Jalen Brown that thirty five percent match. Somebody will. Somebody will. Opinion. Well, only only the Celtics can. So uh, it's not like anyone can. They're the only team that can. Oh, you're they, talking they about the Supermax? But I think you're gonna make Supermax for a player yeah, making thirty five. Thirty five percent. Okay, so you're saying that's far more far less likely to happen. I th- I don't know. I, it should be. Like teams teams should look at guys and just say, like, okay, you're the thirtieth best player in the league. 40th best player in the league, we're not going to give you 35%. Like, yeah, no one else can pay you. No one else can pay you more than 30%. So we're not giving you an extra 5% just because we can. Like teams are going to have to start having that conversation in my opinion. All right. All right. Until next time. What, what do we, we got to have a better sign off, by the way. Uh, what do we always say? Go We, we tried to get one. Is that what we say? We said right, go Bulls. That's it. All right, man. That's it. <laughs> go Pockets. Go great. All right, buddy. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.